want to also welcome those who are watching on LiveGate Outreach TV and those who are listening to the podcast on iTunes and on our audio channels in uh, Sprouts. I believe that God will reach you whenever you watch this or listen to this and uh, the name of the Lord will be praised in Jesus' name. You see, the advantage of these electronic uh, portals is that it allows you to hear the word over and over again. Many times in the shower, you can just put it on and just enjoy yourself and just hear some things. Do you know that the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Have you ever, be honest with yourself, have you ever been in a service, you listen to a message and then you listen to it again and then suddenly there are some things coming out. It was like you are just hearing it for the first time, even though you were in the service when it was preached. How many people have been there before? I've been there many times. And because the word of God has a way, even though you heard it, there is a way you can hear it again that it brings faith. There is a way you can hear it again that it does something new in your life. So I want to encourage you, hear the word of God, listen to the word of God, and be blessed by it in Jesus' name. We have been on a series of accessing divine creativity. We started just last week. It's a four-part series, and we're in the part two of that today. Because this is our covenant season of divine creativity... It is so important for us to understand. We have established last week that God is the God of creativity. And I told you how I took this picture when I was fascinated in some country I traveled to some time back. And uh, I really like the scenery. I've been to places that have just been breathtaking. And um, uh, places like the Rocky Mountains in, in, in Colorado, in America... You see mountains and you see peaks and troughs and you see places that just blow your mind. And you know, you ask yourself many times, why would somebody doubt the existence of a God who can craft such a thing? And uh, when you see things so well laid out, the last uh, couple of years, 2017, my wife and I had the privilege to be in Cape Town. And we went to a place called the Table Mountain. Some people call it uh, the uh, Cable Mountain. Some people call it the uh, Lion Lion's Mountain as well, because this mountain is shaped like a, a sleeping lion with the head and everything. It's just like hand-carved, but it was naturally formed. And there are many places like that. How many of, how many of you know the, the smiling face in Abuja, Nigeria? You don't know it. How many of you have ever been to Abuja? How many of you know the Zuma Rock? <laughs> have you ever seen the face on it? There are actually two faces on it. If you go next time, check it very well. There's one on the side that is always smiling at you when you are coming. And then there's one, there's one to the face of the road, and then there's one at the side. If you look at the side, it's actually shaped like the nose of a person with the eyes. And it wasn't crafted by people. It was just washed and cleansed and, and, and created and crafted by God. So these are the things that, and that I'm just using those natural forms because last week we said the natural landforms around us and the things we see that show God's creativity should remind us every time. They are not to be worshipped because some people have taken it to the extent of worshipping those stones and those beautiful things. That's not what we're talking about. But they should remind us of the God to be worshipped. Amen. And so this series, I put it on this template because I wanted us to look at the creativity of God. So last week, if you haven't heard the message or if you are not here, you didn't hear the message, go on online. It's all online now on our LiveGate Outreach TV page in YouTube, celebrating the creative God. And throughout the week, as we are fasting and praying, we were also looking at the different dimensions of God's creativity. And so this morning, we are taking the second part of the series, which is just titled Creative 
thanksgiving. Creative thanksgiving. I want you to always take note of the words that are used to caption this series because they are intentional. I know it is about thanksgiving, but I want you to also take note of the fact that we're talking about a special kind of thanksgiving. A kind of thanksgiving that gives you access to God's creativity because we are talking about how to keep accessing divine creativity. Because God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever, he created yesterday, he has created today, he will create tomorrow. But God, ever since he created man, began to walk in partnership with man. We assured ourselves of that last week when we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and he said, and, God, and the Bible says, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and then let them have, verse 27 says, and let them have dominion. Ever since man got dominion, uh, ever since God created man, he gave him dominion. And that partnership with man continues to allow man to also become creativity. That's why man today is building things and man is able to do things. I get fascinated by a lot of things. Ever since I was a little boy, up to today, I've always been fascinated about aviation. I just like that stuff. It beats my imagination every time. I've been flying for more than 40 years by the grace of God, but there's no time. I am not amazed at the mind of man to conquer gravity with that big machine. Because God's creativity is at work in man. If you want to appreciate it very well, look at the takeoff. When it speeds, it's like any other car on a road. But the moment it takes its nose up, it says, I've defied gravity. And it shoots itself into the sky. And my, it's a beauty to behold. Man's creativity to express his dominion because he's walking with the mind of the creative God. So when we are talking about creative thanksgiving, we are talking about a supernatural way of engaging with God that is not bound by science, is not bound by philosophy, is not bound by the natural processes of life, but is totally a supernatural process that allows us to engage God and be creative in our lives, even as he has given us dominion. So when we talk about thanksgiving, we are talking about an expression of gratitude. An expression of gratitude. In this case, we are talking about gratitude to God. The scripture commands us to be thankful. And I mean commands. It does not advise us. The scripture says, be thankful. In many places of scripture, it will say, with thanksgiving. And so we must understand that thanksgiving is described, therefore, as a necessity in the scripture for us to draw close to God and also for us to engage with God. If you want to have an effective work with this God, you must be a person who is thankful. Thanksgiving must be part and parcel of your life. The Bible says we all read and sing from Psalms 100 verse 4 every time. We're going to shout it again today. But I want you to focus on what the word of God says so that you can be blessed by it again. Let's read it together. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. The, word be thankful, the words be thankful there simply means I command you, you must be thankful. He didn't say, you know, choose to be. He didn't suggest. He's not telling you that, you know, thanksgiving or being thankful is a choice. He said, be thankful and bless his name. Hallelujah. Psalm 69 verse 30. He said, I will praise the name of 
God with a song. Psalm 69 verse 30 it should be. He said, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Say with me, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. So when we talk about creative, thank you very much, sir. I will praise the name of God with a song and magnify him with thanksgiving. So when we talk about creative thanksgiving, we're talking about magnifying God. Now, magnifying God does not mean that we are trying to make God bigger. We cannot make him any bigger because the word magnify means to make big in the literal sense. We cannot make God bigger because he is already who he is. He cannot be reduced. He cannot be increased. He is just God. He was not born. He will not die. He is just God. That's why I've always told you, stop singing that song that says, Ancient of days, as old as you are. He's not old. He's not old. I know the song sounds nice and it sounds, makes you feel holy, but stop singing it. It's a wrong song. Hallelujah. Ancient of days is not old. Ancients of days cannot be old. He's not young. He was never young. So why are we calling him old? He's not old. He's just God. Hallelujah. Ancient of days is his name. And so the Bible says I will magnify him. So the word magnify there, it means that it allows us to see the magnificence of God. His awesomeness. His splendor. So when the psalmist said, I will magnify him, it means I will position myself in such a way to see his beauty. The Bible says in Psalm 121, don't turn to it, but the psalmist was writing, David was writing, he said, I lift up my eyes to the hills so that my help, where does my help come from? Not from the hills, but it comes from God. Who does what? The maker of the heavens and the earth. So I magnify him. When you magnify God, what you do is that you allow your problem to reduce. You allow your challenge to reduce. When, the, when David faced Goliath, every other person was magnifying Goliath. Every other person said, this is the biggest giant. Including King Saul, who was taller than everybody else in Israel. He too hid. And then here was this young 17-year-old boy who looked at them and said, what is this person? This is an uncircumcised Philistine. Who is he? Close to my God. This is a man who has magnified God for so much that no matter the height of a giant, no matter what a giant looks like, it pales into insignificance by this king, by this young man called David, who of course became king later on. Hallelujah. He said, I will magnify him with thanksgiving. When you give thanks to God, God expounds himself in your heart. So much so that the things that people see and make them afraid suddenly looks like an insignificant thing to you. Amen. So this is why we must understand the place of giving thanks. Creative thanksgiving is therefore a lifestyle we must develop. Creative thanksgiving is not something we do in the morning and don't do for the rest of the day. Creative thanksgiving is not something we do once a week when we come to church on a Sunday and the worship leader says, let us just thank God and begin to give him thanks and thank him or the, the leader of, a, of, of, a, of a, a session in the service. Creative thanksgiving is something that must be in our minds. It must be in our utterance. It must be in our actions. It says, and will, I will praise the name of God. We're going to be looking at praise and worship next week by the grace of God. So my emphasis today is on thanksgiving. He said, and I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Jesus 
when he walked the face of the earth as the son of man, showed us many times how to be creatively thankful. When you thank God like that, you create faith inside you. You take new grounds. Again, it was what Joshua and Caleb had when they, when they saw those giants in Numbers chapter 14. 13, Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. Twelve spies. We remember the name of Joshua and Caleb today and don't remember the under ten because only two, those two, Caleb and Joshua, saw the magnificence of God over the giants while everybody else saw something else and they were crying. In the economies of the world today, in the challenges of the world today, in the difficulties of the world today, do you know that we still see giants on a daily basis? Only those who know how to magnify God will stop seeing the giants, will stop seeing what is making everybody else perplexed and afraid and worried. Only those who have found a way of exalting God and magnifying God will live with confidence, rest assured, sleep when they need to sleep, walk when they need to walk, and just majestically ride on their high places with this great God. I pray that every one of us will be in such an army. In the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus taught us in two scriptures we will read in the book of John. John chapter 6 from verse 9. The first time was when Jesus and his disciples were to feed 5,000 plus people. We estimate about 15,000 people as we normally would do. But there was, the Bible says they were hungry and Jesus said let us get them some food. And the disciples were like, what's wrong with, with the master? How can we feed all these people? One of them said even if we have all the money, there can't be enough bread. Have you ever thought of that kind of statement? Even if we have all the money, there can't be enough bread. So people will always make excuses for the things that they cannot believe. Many people would have said, you know, we can't have money to buy. But they say, even if we have money, there can't be enough bread. That simply means that, you see, when we choose to align with the enemy, we can always see an excuse. We can always see a reason not to do things. It was Harry S. Truman, one of the great American presidents. You know, America used to have a lot of very, very strong presidents that are not as dramatic as our, our, our President Trump now. I like the man because he stands for the faith, whatever anybody says. I know he openly stands for Christianity. He may not be a perfect person, but he has never hidden his fact that he loves Christianity and is a child of God. Where you get to heaven and you see him, don't say, ah, you too, Trump. <laughs> Don't say for you too. <laughs> because I've never heard him say he worships Satan. He says Jesus Christ is his Lord and he recognized Israel. Anyway, that's by the side. But Harry S. Truman was one of those, you know, foremost American presidents that we talk about a lot. He said that people who are pessimists will always see problems in every kind of opportunity. An opportunity come, they will always see problem. But people who are optimists when they, see an when they see a challenge, they will see opportunity. When they see a challenge, they will see opportunity. You have to make up your mind to keep seeing the way God sees. When God saw darkness in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, when he saw darkness and void, he did not say, ah, this is darkness, this is void. The Bible says, and God said, let there be light. And out of darkness, light came out. That's why the Bible says he formed the visible out of the invisible. You need to grow your faith to a level where when you open your cupboard 
and the sugar is not there and the tea is not there and everything is finished. Don't say everything here is finished. <laughs> you need to grow your faith to say, oh, wow, we've got tea, we've got sugar, we've got milk. Hallelujah. And as you are saying those things, they will find their way back there. Amen. Have you noticed that children have no problem whatsoever? They open the fridge, and if they don't find it, they just say, what happened? Where is the milk? They don't ask anything about who buys it, whether there is money to buy it or not. They will just come and say, dad, we've run out of milk. Because, you know, dad must have money to put milk there. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is how we must be to this God. Always knowing that he has the supply for us at every time. Jesus refused to follow his disciples. The Bible says, they said to him, when he said, let us, let us um, feed these people. They said, there is a lad here. Let's read it together. Very important verse 9. There is a lad here who has five loaves and two small fish. Before the comma, read it again. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. You see, the next word is where many people still live. It said, but, let's read together now. What are they among so many? Somebody say pitiful. It is pitiful when you, you can see that there is a provision, but you can rationalize that provision immediately to insignificance. We must stop living like them. Every emphasis of scripture is so that we know what to do and how to do. They say, but what are they among so many? If you understand, the day I understood the mystery of the five loaves and two small fish, I stopped living in lack perpetually. It's more than 25 years now, by the grace of God. Because I understand that whatever God puts in my hand is good enough. Anytime. Anything he puts in your hand and you know how to be thankful for it is good enough. It's good enough. The problem we have today is that we are always looking for the bigger, the better. Somebody has never driven a car before. When I, when I, when in, when I, when I first met my wife, you heard my story many times, many of you. I did not have a car. The very first car I will be given was supposed to be an official car. But instead of the car serving me, I was the one serving the car. <laughs> It was an old car. Many engineers had used it. I was a young engineer just joining the company. Many engineers had used it before that time. So it was really in a bad shape. But when I received it, I drove it to the school. My wife was still on campus. I drove it, managed to get it to the other town. For those of you that know northern Nigeria, I drove it from Katsina to Zaria, which was about a two and a half hour drive at that time. When I got to her hostel, I parked. I beeped my horn where I used to park. <laughs> when she came out, she saw me. She said, wow, is that the car? Because I've told her we've got a car now. Say, is that the car? I said, yeah, that's the car. <laughs> that's the car. Hallelujah. And she came down and we celebrated. The car had no stereo, nothing. It's just a car. <laughs> it can stop anytime. So when you are going, you pray. In oh, that car taught me how to pray in tongues, man. Because you have to be praying. Break kakakuru. If not, you may not get to the next place. <laughs> but my wife and I, we rejoiced around it as if that would be the best car we will ever use in this life. It didn't have a stereo, so I bought a tape recorder. 
Those of you that know tape recorders, some of you don't know what I'm talking about now. Don't worry, don't worry. I bought a tape recorder. That thing, when you put it in, you put batteries. It uses about six batteries. Within three hours, it will finish the six batteries. I don't know that kind of technology. Anyway, we will be playing it. At times, Don Moore will be singing. He walked where I walked. He walked where I walked. He stood where I stand. Those of you from my generation will know those songs. And then suddenly, as we are traveling, you just... That means the battery is going down. <laughs> so I'll stop it. I'll stop it. I'll say, don't, don't worry. Let's, let's leave it for 30 minutes. We'll remove the batteries and put it on the dashboard and let the sun charge it up again. <laughs> And we just enjoyed life. But if we had taken that car that day and said, what is this? Only God knows where we would have been today. I don't know how many cars, by the grace of God, we have used since then. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly. In different ways. Official cars given to us, bought. So many. The ones we have even given out to people. By the grace of God. Because there is something in the five loaves and the two fish. There is a mystery about what God gives. No matter what it is in your hand, hold it. When we started raising our funds for, for the building fund, we said we're looking for 250,000. We're just about one-tenth in the physical. We're just hitting 24,000. But have you ever heard any Sunday here that we have not been saying the thing is progressing? It's progressing because it is like the five loaves and the two fish. And we're going to buy the building stress-free. I said we're going to buy it stress-free because we will keep thanking God for whatever he brings our way. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, verse 10, make the people sit down. There was much grass there, and he took the loaves, verse 11, and when he had given thanks. Somebody say, and when he had given thanks. He distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. Even the boy that had the lunch, he ate more than five loaves and two fish. I'm sure. The Bible says as much as they wanted. And I know some people would have eaten ten loaves and four fish. You know people like free things. Have you ever been to a hotel and they told you that they booked your trip but that only breakfast is free but you, you pay for your own lunch, you pay for your own dinner. How many of you have, have ever been there? When you are eating the breakfast that is free, you, you, you eat so much. <laughs> when it is the lunch you are paying for, you say, no, I don't want that. No, 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 just give it to yourself. <laughs> the free one, you eat as if you, there's no tomorrow. But when the one you are paying for, you, you will be selecting the cheap, cheap one. <laughs> it is human nature. So I know some people must have eaten more than five loaves, they must have eaten ten. The Bible says as much as they wanted. From five loaves and two fish, the lunch of a little boy that looked insignificant. Friends, I want you to have a change of mindset. I'm not just saying be thankful to God, just be saying, Lord, I thank you, Lord, I thank you. Come to a realm where you are thanking God in such a way that you are letting him know that everything he brings your way is so much appreciated. The marriage you are complaining about, some people will beg you to have it. The spouse that you think is the worst on this planet, some people will come and kneel down and say, please, just give him to me. Give her to me. Take my own. <laughs> Take my own and go to any country you want in this life. <laughs> or just give me. 
Because everything that you think has no value has a lot of value if you know how to give thanks. Everything that you think is worthless has a lot of worth when you know how to be thankful for it. The disciples said, what can this do among many? Jesus said, Lord, we thank you. We know the other story in John chapter 11. I won't waste too much time on that. At the tombstone of Lazarus, we know that the Bible says that in verse 41, they took away the stone because he said they should roll away the stone. They said he must be thinking by now. It's for this. He said, roll away the stone. And verse 42, let's read verse 42 together. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that, thank you. He said, let's read together now. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Go back to verse 41. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said what? Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Here was a situation that was looking very discouraging. Many people were crying, mourning. In fact, Jesus got there and he also wept. We read that in verse 35. He also wept because here he was, the resurrection and the life. People were so hopeless that they could not even see that there was still hope in raising Lazarus. So he wept for their unbelief. But as soon as he did that, the Bible says he told them to take away the stone. I want you to know today that some things may be dead seemingly in your life. Dreams. Many of you have killed those dreams or they died naturally. Ten years ago, five years ago, you used to see yourself doing big stuff. You were passionate about it. You started. You took steps. But suddenly they died. God is telling you today, just roll away the stone and give thanks to God. And those dreams will come alive again. I said those dreams will come alive again. In the name of Jesus. Friends, there is nothing God says you will do. That you will not be able to do if you cooperate with him. Because if it doesn't happen, we make him a liar. But we know that God is not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23, 19. He's not the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it? Will he not make it good? Has he not promised? Will he not make it come to pass? God is able. Tell your neighbor for me, God is able. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. This creative lifestyle is something that we must live from a position of strength. When we read our Bible reading, for those of you watching, or those of you that came a little bit later in the service today, we had our scripture reading from Psalm 136 verse 1 to 26 the entire chapter of psalm 136 and um, it is a compilation of several attributes of god which admonishes us to extol god by thanksgiving each verse go to psalm 136 sir each verse tells us give thanks to the lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever never forget the word mercy and grace go together the differences are this. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We got salvation. We never deserved it. We were sinners. But mercy 
is not getting what we actually deserve. Does that make sense? (laughs) Getting what we don't deserve is grace. Not getting what we actually deserve because of our disobedience, because of our sin, is mercy. So when the Bible says, for he is good and his mercy endures forever, his mercy keeps pushing on despite our unbelief, despite our faithlessness, despite our sinfulness, despite our rebellion. His mercy keeps pushing boundaries. That's why he keeps saying, for his mercy endures forever. So when you think about God's mercy like this, it changes your perspective as to why you should be thankful and why you should also be forgiving of others. When I see people who say, I can't forgive him. I can't forgive her. I laugh. Because you still have breath in you. There are so many people who are six feet under. They did not plan, they did, nobody knew that they would be six feet under as at this day because everything looked good. We crossed this year together, but they are no more. That's how quickly life can, can go. So when you say those things, you, you need to step back and think, Lord, help me to be humble. Help me, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. You need to know how to show mercy yourself because the Bible says the mercy of the Lord endures forever. But my emphasis today is that we must be giving thanks. Hallelujah. Verse 1 to 3, the psalmist tells us, I'll just quickly summarize again, I'm not reading them again. The psalmist tells us about who God is. That is the God of gods, is the Lord of lords. Psalm 1, Psalm 138 verse 1, is 36 verse 1, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, to him alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. Him alone is the one who does great wonders. Hallelujah. God's wonder-working power is not magic. Man does magic. God does wonders. Magicians use illusion, and they use all kinds of things. These days, they can even use photo tricks and do all kinds of things. And of course, some of them use real demonic powers to do stuff. But the truth of the matter is that God alone does wonders. So every true wonder in this life has come from God. The Bible says we must continue to give him thanks because him is the one who alone does these wonders. So verse 4 to 9 tells us the many wonders of the heaven, the earth, the great waters. It tells us about the great lights. It tells us about the sun to rule by day, the moon and the stars to rule by night. You can read those again. Verse 10 to verse 16 tells us that he is the God who wrought deliverance and safety through the various experiences of the children of Israel when they were being emancipated. Oh, verse 17 to verse 24 says he is the God who defeats kings like Sihon, like Og of Bashan. He defeats all these kings and he also gives us victory over all our enemies. Amen. In verse 25 and verse 26, the Bible says that he is the God who gives us food. Verse 25, he gives food to all flesh. Hallelujah. And for his mercy endures forever. He gives food to all flesh. Every animal has something to feed on. No animal is left with at the mercy of any other animal only mosquitoes i don't know why they can't find another animal to go and eat 
They are the only animal I know that somehow I wish I can tell God that they should be looking for other things to go and eat. But God is wise. He's all wise. We can't question him. That is one thing I still cannot understand in nature. Those terrible animals, those terrible insects. But the truth of the matter is that God alone gives food to all flesh and his mercy is enduring forever. And so therefore, through thanksgiving, we can creatively, creatively access many divine attributes of God. When we are a thankful people, and I want you to note these four things I want to quickly tell you. When you are thankful, you can access these four things and many more. But just remember these and remember these scriptures. The first thing is that when you are thankful, you can creatively access divine ideas and divine wisdom. If you don't want to be stuck in the way you reason and the limitations and don't be held back by the limitations of your mindset, be a thankful person. When you are thankful, God gives you fresh ideas. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it said, now, thanks be to God. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. It said, now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Somebody say, God always. Say, God always leads me into triumph in Christ and through me and through me diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place that is why Jesus lived differently from the disciples when they could not see hope because of his lifestyle of thanksgiving he saw hope God multiplied God gave him ideas we must understand, when we read John 6, the Bible says he lifted it up and he gave thanks. When we read John 11, the Bible says he prayed and he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. Which means he's always giving thanks. Don't let your language be without thankfulness. When you give thanks, divine ideas come your way. What are divine ideas? What are divine insights? Things that would not naturally follow the logic of what you are looking at. You have a challenge with a child. A challenge with your studies. A challenge with your work. When you say, Lord, I thank you for this job. Ideas come through for you. I was to write a proposal over the, over the uh, uh, Christmas break for some little pot of funding that I wanted to get to do some piece of research. And the whole thing was just all over the place. But round about Christmas, just a couple of days before Christmas, I started just thanking God. I said, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for how this thing will consolidate. Everything was falling in place, but it was scattered all, all around. The moment I started to give thanks to God for that opportunity, everything just came together. Everything. And by the time I could write it, finished. Many times I've lived like that. I'll come into a service and I'll say, Lord, I thank you. For a brand new day like this. I thank you for what you are doing with us here. Before you know it, ideas start to come in. This is what you will do about this matter. This is what you will do about that matter. And at times, God will even send people. I was doing a consultancy job just yesterday. And the thing was, again, becoming a problem. Because they had done some things wrong. And we needed to rectify it. And I was now having to think what can be done to rectify this thing. 
at the minimal expense to the client who owns the, the job because professionally that's what I must do save the client the money and so I was just thinking then the architect himself and the person who was also project managing the job called me at about 2 p.m. yesterday he said David we're, all the things that we're, we're looking at doing that can we just go back to what we were supposed to do originally and I said thank you very much for solving this problem because that is where everything was supposed to have started in the beginning. God will, as you are thankful, God will speak to people. God will speak to things. God will move things and shape things. And God himself will be orchestrating divine ideas for you in the name of Jesus. At times those ideas will come directly from you. At times it will come from people. Divine ideas will come to you. Whoever God, I pray the prayer on crossover service. I will say it again. Whoever you need to meet this year that will change your destiny, my God will cause you to meet them. Yeah. Wherever you need to go this year, there is a place you need to go that some ideas will come to you. My God will take you to that place. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, yeah. whatever the email you need to write to somebody that will give you an idea for your next level, my God will inspire you to write it. In the name of Jesus. Just be thankful for every day and be thankful for every moment. Divine ideas will come to you. In the name of Jesus. Because of our time, I'll rush through the others. Divine supplies. Second Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 29 verse 11. David was speaking. He said, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory and majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Verse 12. He said, both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength. Somebody say, it is in his hand to give riches and honor. It is in his hand to give power and might. Say, it is in his hand to make great and to give strength to all. Now let us all shout, verse 13 together. Shout it as much as you can. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. When you thank him like that, everything that is in his hand to give, he will give you. How many of you know that when, if you have children and one of them is always very, very thankful, he gets more things from you or she gets more things. How many of you know that? The one that will just collect it and say, next time when he comes you'll be thinking twice but that one that will collect it and say thank you dad thank you thank you for those youngsters here i don't know better learn that now say thank you <laughs> thank you the next time when they come even before they ask you are willing to give but that one that is never thankful you are still the father you want to give you'll be asking what do you need it for when do you need it how do you need it because somehow it's not a natural thing for them to be thankful and you are not trying to be mean but you are always willing. You are always willing to release to the one who is thankful. That's the same way God is. When you learn to thank God, I thank God for this building so much before we moved in that it became impossible for the devil to stop us from moving in. We were looking at heavy five figures to start to, to come in here, to move in here. And we didn't have one member of the church as at May 
June 2013 when we saw the building. There was no confirmed member of the church. But I was so thankful everywhere I went. I said, Lord, I thank you for that great building on Shortaker Street. I thank you. I thank you. Before I knew it, 6000 that were to pay for deposit came. I gave the landlord the check. When I gave him the check, he said, David, I feel that this is going to go well for you. I said, by the grace of God. I said, God bless you. Thank you. Then the next steps. There was no carpet here, nothing. This carpet that you see was about 6,000 pounds to do it. Everything wall to wall. And everything started falling in place. By the time we were dedicating this place on August the 31st, we had spent close to 40,000 pounds. Just being thankful every day. Being thankful every day. That's why I say to you, if you know how to be thankful, there are many problems that you will solve. If I sit down with my wife and say, how are we going to do this building now? They say the bill is 5,000. 5,000. <laughs> but be careful who you tell your dream. Be careful who you are sharing your dream because some people are dream killers. If I had called a committee of friends that I had at that time and I said, this is the building, they would say, David, we know you are mad, but this one is complete madness. <laughs> Nobody starts like that. Go and start in your living room. That's how people start. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> when you are thankful, that's what they said to Jesus. Jesus said that your brother will live again. They said, ah, Jesus Christ. He's not. <laughs> Martha said, ah, ah, Jesus, you know, I love you, but, you know, ah. <laughs> four days, ah, ah. <laughs> That's my paraphrase, okay. But the truth of the matter is that if you live a thankful life, you have access to divine supplies. You have access to joy. That's the third thing. Divine joy, joy, joy. Isaiah 35 verse 10. He said, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy will be upon their heads and they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall do what? Flee away. When you come back to Zion, you give thanks. That's why we always encourage you, write testimonies. Don't take anything for granted. You are driving and suddenly somebody stopped in front of you and you almost hit them. Don't say, ah, the testimony is if I had hit them and nobody died. <laughs> that's how some people think you almost hit at that very point you press your brake and there was no collision give thanks to God don't say ah, what is there to thank God now pastor you know if to say when I hit the car somebody flew out and one angel carried him and dropped him back on the ground then he will come and testify <laughs> some of you are giving David said I killed lion I killed bear do you know people were looking at him that, is it lion or bear we are talking about Look at Goliath. You are talking about lion and bear. But the same lion and bear he testified was just good enough to get God to hit. What hit Goliath in the head, I've told you many times, it's not one stone. It's, God's, it's called God's, God's blow. <laughs> God by himself released his fist from heaven. And, How can one stone bring down such a... No, it's not stone. You think it's stone? God just decided to show us stones so that we, 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 we can comprehend. There was an invisible blow from heaven. <laughs> the moment David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Ah, God did his hand like this. <laughs> he said, Jesus Christ, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Somebody is calling us there. When he threw the swing, God released the blow. That's why the man fell down once. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's blow will work for you. Every enemy contesting your future, 
the hand of God will, the outstretched hand of God will come to them. It will smite their plans and scatter their confederacy. In the name of Jesus. I'm never afraid about what people discuss about me in secret. I'm not asking you to be discussing me in secret. But I've never, I've never been afraid the day I found that God is the one that scatters the machination of wickedness. So when they sit down and they are plotting evil, my God goes there and says, you are doing that to my son? One by one, he will start to hit them. Start to hit them. This one will find that that one has happened in his family. That one will happen. Huh? You don't know when God is fighting for you. You will just be on your bed sleeping like that. You don't know what is happening somewhere else. <laughs> my God will fight for you. Don't forget, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. These are rulers of darkness that only the joy of heaven, when you are giving thanks every time, can be released into your own life, but fighting the enemies at the same time, in the name of Jesus. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's Revelation 12, 11. You must understand, that's the fourth thing. It gives us victory over demonic attacks. When you are a thankful person, you will always have victory that you did not even plan for. Victory that you did not even orchestrate by yourself. God will give them to you in Jesus' name. When I eventually got to the country, again, some of you have heard the testimony. When I got to the country and I started working in the church that God placed me, and they gave me opportunity to be preaching like this. I was still a research student doing my PhD, and I was preaching on a Sunday like this, and just preaching and preaching and blessing people. At the end of the service, a man who was a big character, the dean of the faculty of, the, uh, of, of engineering where I was, in the school I was, he came to me and he said, David, do you want a job? It was like a dream. I wasn't planning to have a job. I didn't dream of having a job. My plan was, let me just finish my PhD. And that time, my plan was to go to Canada because we got papers to go there and reside permanently. But then he said, do you want a job? I said, sir, you know, I've told you I was planning to go to Canada after somebody said Canada, <laughs> I stood in front of the altar like that. I said, sir, you know, I'm planning to go to Canada after, <laughs> after my studies. And uh, he said to me, he let me finish all that rambling. He said, I said, do you want a job? Then I saw that the man was serious. And by the next day, everything was sorted. I got my first work permit like that in this country. There is a way God will fight for you. I said, there is a way God will fight for you. It will beat your imagination. Just be a thankful person. Learn to be thankful. When you are thankful, you allow God to create victories for you. It shall be your portion in Jesus' name. Psalm 103, as I start to bring this to a close, verse 2. Verse 2 to 5, the Bible makes us to understand that we must be reflective if we want to be a thankful people. The reason why we don't give thanks as much is because we don't reflect. Psalm 102, 103, verse 2. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do what? Forget not. Tell your neighbor, never forget all his benefits. Look at some of them. Verse 3. Look at verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities? That's your first benefit. He forgave your sins. It is a benefit you must never forget. That is why I said, because he forgave you, you too must be forgiving others. He said, who heals some of your diseases? He heals what? All your diseases. So every time you come out of sickness, every time you come out of an infirmity, every time you come out of a weakness, you must always remember it was a benefit. He said, who redeems your life from what? 
destruction. How many times you would have died? How many times you would have suffered loss? How many times your house would have burnt down? How many times did you forget to lock your front door and yet nobody broke in to steal anything? How many times have you forgot your key, your car key on the ignition overnight and he, he, did, he made sure that nobody could steal your car? How many times? And then you woke up in the morning and you got to the car, you saw the key in the ignition and then you are shaking. Why are you shaking? You have already left it there. Angels have already helped you through the night. But don't be forgetting your key there, I beg of you. He said he crowns you with loving kindness and what? Tender mercies. Tender mercies. He said don't forget these benefits. Verse 5. Everybody read this. He said he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. My friend and I, we're about the same age. My friend in Poland, the one I went to see last August with the family. And we're about the same age. He's just about a few months older than me. So he turned 50 last year. And uh, uh, no, he's a year older than me, sorry, because he was born in August. So he turned 50 last August. And um, I was saying to him, look at us, we're 50. I said, we, we, we were just 15 a few years ago because we were 15, 16 when we were in secondary school. And you know what? We said, when people tell us that time that an uncle of ours is 46, we used to feel they were so old <laughs> at 46. But look at that. The Bible says, he will renew your youth like the eagles. That is how you feel when you're advancing in age. I don't feel any inch 50 at all. I don't even know what 50. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel 30 inside me. Hallelujah. 50. By the time I'm 70, I'm still bouncing like this by the grace of God. <laughs> 50 is a small boy these days. A very small boy. Hallelujah. You know, if not for this gray, gray hair on my face, if I shave everything and I know how to play ball, do you know I can still play for under 21? Because some people, I know some people in one country, <laughs> they do that. <laughs> I didn't mention any country. Oh, don't go and say I said anything. There's one country like that. Some people who they say they are under 21, they were your classmates in 1980. <laughs> and they are still playing under 21. You are like, ah, what is happening there? <laughs> Did they subtract 20 years from their age? But you see, when your youth is renewed like the eagles, you find strength and vitality because you are a thankful person. When you thank God, you find strength every time. You find that the things that weigh people down don't weigh you down. Don't forget his benefit. Being unthankful is being ungodly. It leads to stagnation and destruction. Go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 1 to verse 11. We don't have time for it. But 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 10 is my last scripture this morning. And I want you to read it with me. He said, for he, read it with me, for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit or guile. Rise to your feet and let us talk to God. Where?